Welcome to the Mostly Legal Podcast. On this podcast, we uncover the untold stories behind people helping law firms operate. Buckle your seatbelts because each week we're going to laugh, cry, and sometimes yell our way through interviews and conversations with different guests who all have interesting stories to tell. And before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Centerbase, a cloud-based practice management, billing, and accounting software that helps your firm capture more time, get paid faster, and offer the best client service possible. My name's Rob Joyner, and my co-host is Amanda Copeless, and this is our first podcast episode. And we're super so, nervous, right? You're super nervous. I'm, not. <laughs> I'm, I'm really nervous. This has been months in the making, so we're excited to, to finally record that first episode. And today, we're not going to have any guests, but what we wanted to do was uh, give you a little background on ourselves, tell some stories ourselves, so you get to know us as the hosts before we start bringing other people in. So Amanda, the first thing we want to do today are some introductions. You wanted to introduce the other person. So do you want me to go first or do you want to introduce me first? Uh, I think I want you to go first so that I can know how mean mine should be. Like if you throw too much meanness at me, I can throw some jabs back. I but if you're super nice, then I will be nice, sir, maybe. You know that whole shit sandwich thing? <laughs> I, didn't yeah. do, I didn't do that, but I thought about it. I thought we weren't going to cuss on our podcast. Well, you can bleep that out. <laughs> you want to. So first I'll introduce Amanda Copeless. There you go. She'll remind you that her last name uh, rhymes with hopeless. So if, if, if you're having trouble with it, just remember that. Um, the best way to describe Amanda and what Amanda does on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, I think her, her daughter said it best. So oh, no. she hires people, fires people, and she crushes their souls. <laughs> That is according to her. Amanda, is Kylie 12 or? No, she's 10. She's obviously oh very uh, intuitive for her age because, I mean, I don't do HR, but I think there is some soul crushing in what I do. And I feel really bad about that. I do have a soul myself. So. Well, you have to make big decisions. And sometimes when you're making big decisions, there's people that are they're, they're going to be happy with the decision you make and others that don't necessarily like it. So exactly. It's exactly. just part of the job. So, <laughs> so I'm a soul crusher in case anybody wants to know what I do. Well, I don't think that's the case, but going a little more into your background, you're originally from Austin and your latest uh, endeavor brought you to Florida. So you've that's been in Florida true. now for two years, two and a half years. Yeah. Two and a half years. And Amanda is the currently the executive director at a full-service law firm with 45 attorneys in four locations around Florida. Did I say that right? You did, yeah. So one thing I'll say that's pretty remarkable about you, Amanda, when you took the job is you jumped in. They had some big projects for you right when you got there, and you jumped in. and, <laughs> and you handled them. <laughs> A lot of people would have been nervous to do that. Um, and, and, you know, Amanda has a few different... And I can never say the word accreditations. I did it this time. Nine. You got it. Wow. That was like a 50 cent word for you. Oh my gosh. I was trying to say it beforehand <laughs> and I just couldn't, I couldn't get it out. I kept stumbling on it. So she has her MBA, her CLM, her CPA, and her latest is HBIC. Oh, if you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know what that stands for, go look it up and you can figure it out. Oh my god. That's gosh. the latest one she earned. Um, <laughs> On a more serious note, though, I've been in the legal tech space and working with firms for about seven years, and she's probably one of the most badass law firm operators that I've ever worked with. 
you can ask her just about anything. And she not only has an answer, but she has something to back it up and a reason why, why she said that. So, you know, if you're looking for advice, Amanda, I'm filling up your inbox just oh in God. the introduction. Reach <laughs> out to her. Well, what I love to say about myself is you don't ever have to wonder what Amanda thinks about something. She will always tell you what she thinks about something. And I'm that's why we had to put rules around this podcast. <laughs> Although you've broken like half of them already. No, I haven't. <laughs> that's all I have. So it's your turn. Okay, so you were super nice, which is unfortunate because all of my notes about you are snarky, but I'm nothing if not snarky. So this is Rob Joyner. He is the VP of Sales and Marketing for Centerbase, which produces software specifically for law firms. And when we tell our story about how we met, it is through that business connection. The software they produce is like a billing and practice and case management software. Did I get all of the functions there? Practice management, billing, and accounting. Okay, there you go. Practice management, billing, and accounting. And it's designed for law firms to handle really almost everything they need to do in their back office, which is their accounting, and then their front office, which is client-facing. And he is the eye candy of our audio-only podcast. So, What an honor. <laughs> I mean, you have to what bring something to the table. Um, no. Like I said, it's going to be diminishing as we go through episodes. <laughs> and let's see, what else can I tell you about Rob? He is super, super tall. He's six foot, six inches tall, which when he's standing next to me, I am five foot nothing. And it's this contrast that I, like I have to wear heels or I'm just staring up at you the whole time. Um, he is originally from Texas and does not have any accreditations, but that doesn't mean he's not good at his job, right? Or do you have accreditations? I'm just kidding. Well, I'm actually, I was born in North Carolina. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. And I moved here when I was three. So I've been here most of my life. I don't have any formal accreditation. See, I can't say it now. <laughs> accreditations. There we go. I don't have any formal accreditations, but uh, we do I, have learned, one... I learned on the go. go. You do have one huge accomplishment, and that is marrying an amazing wife who is gorgeous and you guys have two twins Jules and Ames who are three and luckily they both look exactly like their mother so um she'll tell you that <laughs> uh, they are she's they beautiful are. and they're great too they're great what else can I tell you about this oh he's 33 that's all I got 33. And you get your hair cut every five weeks to the day because <laughs> you hate having even a single hair out of place. And you buy custom t-shirts and you drink tea. Oh my gosh. And you drink tea out of an $80 custom mug. Like it was really nice and now I'm sitting I back know. and then you're just like bombing me. I told you all the notes I prepared were that were down that aisle. Um, let me I see wouldn't if expect I can anything less. <laughs> Let me see if I can think of something really nice. Um, Rob is actually really, really good at what he does. And it, when you have a salesperson, when I first met Rob, I told him, I don't trust salespeople at all because I feel like sometimes they can be disingenuous and the way they answer questions is saying yes without saying yes or saying no without saying no. And when we first met, I, I gave him a really hard time about that. And I said, you just need to be straight with me. And I think that's a huge talent that you have is the ability to tell the truth, which you would think is not 
a hard thing to do, but um, you have the ability to just tell the truth and be straight up with people. And, you know, you also sell a product you're really passionate about. And so many times I run into people who have it as a job, right? They sell products and I get sold all day long, all day in my job. And people are really passionate about that. That makes them a better salesperson, I think. So there, that's my compliment to you. And I guess oh, you're also right. a manager and people really like working for you. And just to your point, I didn't know if you were going to bring that up or not, but I think that's one of the things, you know, as a firm administrator or somebody in charge of buying uh, different things that are really long-term investments for the firm, it's important to get to know who you're working with. And one of the things you brought up is I love what I sell because I believe in what we do. It's important that you ask that sales rep. So, you know, get to know that sales rep, get to know how long they plan to stay at that company. Dig a little bit because that's going to tell you a lot about, you know, if they believe in the product, the organization and some of the stuff you're not necessarily going to ask. Right. Uh, on right. the surface level. And I guess I did think of one more nice thing to say about you. Rob is an amazing artist and he produces some really fascinating, beautiful pieces of art and he won't self-promote it. But I'm sure if you Google it, you can find some of his work. There we go. There you go. That was a nice ending. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. What's next? So the one thing I forgot to say, I forgot to mention your family. So I want to go oh. back and say that. So Amanda has an awesome husband named Nick uh, and two beautiful kids as well. They're, you said 10 and 10. how old your son? He's older, he's right? Eight. He's or he's eight. Younger, younger, he's younger. Yes. Younger. Eight. And they are very precocious as you started out the podcast talking about my daughter and what she says. And uh, I don't know where they get that sense of humor from. It's baffling to me. Have you asked your son what, what he thinks you do? He he says I'm a businesswoman. Oh. So, yeah, I don't. And, and it's really interesting. We're going to talk about the role of legal administrator in a while. But my kids don't really have a handle on what I do. And I... I think that's fascinating to be that old and not even understand it. But we run into people every day who don't even understand what I do. And um, so I'm not going to hold it against them. I have a question for you on that. Okay. So, you know, traditionally I'm, I'm a sales guy, right? And it's not something, although it's changing, um, you can now go to college and get sales degrees or, or go through sales programs. On the legal side of things, you know, so it's something that you kind of stumble into sometimes. On the legal side, yeah. of things, do you go, and, and maybe you know some people that do, I don't know, people that go to school and say, I want to run a law firm. Is that something yeah. that comes up? Yeah, there are actually some programs at a couple of different schools that have law firm management programs. Uh, mm -hmm. George Washington used to have one, and I think they've sunsetted that program for time, but Denver, you can get an actual degree in legal management. Wow. So there aren't a whole lot of them, but there are some. Um, a lot of what we do when we start this job is we just learn as we go. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Association of Legal Administrators, I think, later, but they are really a continuing education provider and a group of you know, that provides our networking and resources. And so, so many times you get into this role and you go outside to find those resources and you use networking and find your people because there isn't really a degree for most people in law firm management. Which makes it tough. 
it makes it very tough. Yes, for sure. It is definitely trial by fire for a large percentage of the people who do this job. And it's one of the reasons why a group like the Association of Legal Administrators has such a strong following. Exactly. Exactly. So let's go ahead and transition into the next thing, the story of how we met. Oh, dear. And I'm so glad we jumped on a call yesterday to clear up some of the details (laughs) around that because you've been telling the story incorrectly now for months. I don't think that's true. Maybe I've been telling a slightly off version of that, but I don't think I've been telling it completely incorrectly. I'd agree. Let's hear your story and I'll see if I agree with it now. So you came up to our booth with Brenda Barnes. So Brenda Mm -hmm. Barnes of B2 Consulting, they do back office uh, services for law firms. They're located Mm -hmm. in Austin. Amanda has a long standing relationship with Brenda Barnes, the owner of the organization. And I believe Brenda was actually at our booth. She was working our booth uh, mm-hmm. at ALA in, was it in Grapevine? That in Grapevine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in yeah Grapevine. Okay. Near Dallas. Right. And you brought her, or she brought you over to the booth and introduced you to uh, some of our team members. Mm-hmm. And this is not a very good story. You want to tell <laughs> Because I wasn't really part of this. You weren't. And I, I thought I met somebody there that was a really good looking guy. So Brenda told me at the time, this is what this company does. And I said, well, we don't need all of that. We need to replace one product, but I'm not replacing accounting at all right now. So I started working with a salesperson there that no longer works for Centerbase. And when she left, Rob jumped in to kind of handle our deal and I guess That's I was when in, you said you don't trust salespeople. That is exactly when I said I don't trust salespeople. Right. right. So, you know, our our firm is big and every law firm will tell you that they are unique. And and I'm sure, Rob, how many times a day do you hear somebody tell you, well, our firm is different than other firms because we do X and we need this. And even better just, than that, we're <laughs> unique. We're unique, so we need all these things. But then we want you to give us references of firms like us. <laughs> right, right. And um, that sounds about right. Yeah, we need to find a firm that does this, 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 and this. And Rob probably can't find that all. So you came out to Orlando with Brenda, who was my mentor back when I was a brand new baby administrator uh, 16 years ago. And you and another third party vendor came out to do a demo of our software. And I think probably one of the first words I said to you was at a bar and I said something along the lines of, I don't trust you. Does any, it's like a theme here. And we bought the software and we went live. And after we went live, you know, there's a, there's always that period where this isn't working right, or that's not working right. And a lot of it is because we have a lot of people touching software and you have it's training and it's just that curve, right? There's always that learning curve when you make change for a hundred people at one time. And so I started texting Rob, maybe a little obsessively. And we read back through some of the text messages yesterday. And I'm thinking, wow, I was really terrible to you. And you maintained your cool and your calm and you never got frustrated with me. And I would just was fascinated by that because 
most people, if they were dealing with somebody as, you know, snarky as I am, would just throw up their hands and say, I don't care. I'm, I'm over this. I didn't think you were that mean. And maybe for better, I didn't know who you were at that point. You didn't realize how <laughs> big of a I, I was. <laughs> I didn't catch on to some of your, your ways. My eccentricities. Let's just yes. call me eccentric. So yeah, you didn't you didn't know that. And then I guess we just started texting back and forth. A lot of it was software based, but then eventually we became friends. And I think some of it is because we have a lot in common, but we also have a lot of differences. And you know, I have probably I hope taught you a lot of things about the business of law, and you inspire me all the time to go out and reach for passions and while I have not done most of that yet, I do kind of have you in the back of my mind as this little voice saying, Amanda, find what you're passionate about and and do that. And so maybe that's part of the reason why we started this podcast is because I'm really passionate about what I do and sharing some of this. So picking back up, we we started our friendship basically over text message and then phone calls. And we'll talk, we'll call and you know, the person recording this podcast says the the success is you have to stay on topic. And you and I will talk for an hour and never finish a single topic. And then I'll sit back later and think, oh, well, he never answered that question. And I never answered that question. And yet we still have accomplished something, but maybe not finished any of it. <laughs> yeah, it's always, wait, why did I call you? <laughs> Sometimes we do that. <laughs> yeah. No, we always we always tend to get off topic, but we're going to try our best through this season to stay on topic. We are. Transitioning then. Okay. Why are we doing this? Oh, goodness. So uh, can I say personal fame and glory as the first answer? I did tell you we were going to give out little buttons at the ALA conference with your face on them at our booth this year. That, that say, I know Amanda and listen to her podcast. We're actually going to trade demos for autographs oh my gosh do i get a whole like section of my booth to do autographs so back on topic okay (laughs) (laughs) okay so we're doing this because i really want to do some interviews of the behind the scenes of people who are in my job in legal management and i would like people to know what we do more than just hiring, firing, and crushing souls. Like, I think it's really important to understand this kind of faceless person behind the firm that's running the business of law. And we're going to interview a lot of different people who do either my job or very similar jobs. We'll have different size firms and different geographical areas, different kind of job descriptions. We might have somebody who is a full firm, large firm administrator, somebody who works with just a couple of attorneys, and we're just going to get them to tell their stories. And we're hoping it's a fun, free-flowing, engaging conversation that people might be interested in. You know, when I when I got into this seven years ago, when I joined Centerbase, we were looking at where the best landing spot for Centerbase was, and we ended up working with law firms. And I can tell you, I did not want to work with law firms. They were this scary thing that I didn't know much about. <laughs> but what I've learned is there's so many fascinating stories. There's so many fascinating stories. There's so many people behind the scenes that really make it work. Um, and and I'm just excited to hear some of those. 
and, and help people tell some of their stories. Cause I don't think they're necessarily highlighted enough, uh, in our community, our, our small legal community, you know, legals, legal is a very big space, but it's a very small community. That's and true. So, so I'm excited to, to get some of those people out and, and start telling their stories. And hopefully, you know, we all learn a thing or two during the process. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be somewhat legal, but not entirely legal. Somewhat legal, not entirely legal. Fair enough. <laughs> so, as far as the upcoming episodes, you know, we have a bunch of guests planned. Do you, Amanda, do you want to talk about some of the, the guests we have planned, we have scheduled to come on on later episodes? Yeah. So a lot of the people that we're going to be doing are either close friends of mine or people I work closely with in a volunteer role. A lot of these people I know through ALA, the Association of Legal Administrators. Some of them I worked with at different firms and some of them I volunteer with. And, you know, we've got some regional office administrators, which means they run one office of a large firm that has multiple offices, or they are the CEO of a 40 to 50 size attorney firm. And, you know, we have one person who's going to tell a fascinating story of how meeting his significant other at an ALA conference kind of led to his ultimate love story. And we might be a little all over the place, I think, with some of these stories, but that's that's who we're starting with. We have another person that uh, that went through a trying time and that was the reason why she started working at law firms. Exactly, yeah. So some really, some really cool stories um, that we hope to share over the upcoming episodes. And, you know, just to end this segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about the the role of the administrator mm-hmm. um, in our experiences with either an Amanda you know from Amanda standpoint being in that position and, and mine working directly with uh, those people and so you know as I mentioned I've been doing this for about seven years now um, I've worked with thousands of different law firms at this point and one of the things I can say about the firm administrator they're really the heartbeat of the firm. Mm-hmm. and they have one of the hardest jobs out there. And whenever I'm bringing on new employees and I'm, I'm giving them a little information, you know, different backgrounds of people that work at law firms, most of the time when you think of an administrator, an office manager, you think of the person that orders coffee. Mm-hmm. And in a law firm, you know, Amanda said, there's, there's different size firms, um, but in a law firm, there's so much more than that. Uh, it, in my viewpoint, they're they're the person that's in charge of keeping everybody happy, and that basic statement sounds, you know, somewhat easy to do. Mm-hmm. But you have attorneys up top that are wanting one thing. You have your staff coming to you with sometimes opposing issues or, or mm-hmm. opposing viewpoints from those attorneys that you have to help solve. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, you need to keep your clients happy. Right. Right. And it's such a hard place to be in. You know, we'll get on phones. I'll get on a phone call first thing in the morning with a firm administrator and they'll tell me, hey, we're going to do this or this today. You know, I'll get back to you. And then, you know, I'll call them at the end of the day or the next morning. And they'll say, sorry, my day got away from me. It's right. one of those positions that you never know what what's going to come day to day. Exactly. Like I, you know, you talk about ordering coffee and very, very many small firm administrators will handle the 
contract with the coffee people. But then the very next day, they are sitting down and doing the health insurance policy. And then they're running bills later that day. And then they're dealing with a staff person who is upset or conflict. And it's also a very lonely position for a lot of people. And that is because you either work for somebody or people work for you. And, you know, two of our guests will talk about what it's like to have uh, a peer with them, but a lot of administrators are just islands. And, you know, I told my husband last night, I said, there are days like yesterday where the weight of a hundred people falls on your shoulders and you leave at the end of the day and you think, wow, all of the happiness of those people and what makes their jobs and their lives and their careers better falls on me. And that's a really tough position to be in, I think, for a lot of people. And one of the most exhausting parts of it, too, on a daily basis, Amanda, is if people don't come to you with with easy questions. <laughs> no, they do not. They no, come they to you not. and expect you to solve really complex problems or issues mm-hmm. and they expect you to do it right there on the spot and know right. the right answer. Right. Right. And yeah, with enough is. people, it's so taxing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And, uh, I, t- I tell people that all the time. It's, it's, uh, very isolating. And I know I yeah. just said something along those lines, but, but not to blow your head up any bigger, Rob, but one of the things that makes our jobs easier is having resources and our resources come in the form of business partners. And if, if we have those relationships where we can call them and there are times where I will call you and I don't have a question about software at all, but I really just need another person to say, you know, what would you do in this situation as a manager? How do you handle this? And, and, how is your perspective outside of law firms different and more beneficial to me working inside of law firms? Because sometimes we get tunnel vision because we are so unique in the way we practice and the way we work that it we lose some of that outside perspective as to how a company outside of law firms do something. So there are days where I will work on negotiating our malpractice insurance policy and then later that day negotiate our lease. And then at the end of the day, someone will come in because their guest chair has a rip in it and they need one replaced immediately. And so that's like these big problems to these small problems throughout the course of the day. And you just never know what you're going to get hit with. And, and, and you just brought up, you know, you're negotiating some of these big contracts, making these big decisions. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of firm administrators don't necessarily have a business background. That's true. That's so, true. So, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you're coming up from, you know, a paralegal or some other some other background and you're growing into this role without any kind of formal training. And it, it just makes it so hard uh, to be able to do that. It's interesting. We were interviewing, you and I interviewed a person uh, that has been in legal management for 30 years, and she's not going to be able to be a guest on our show no. for some conflict reasons. But she did walk us through a little bit of the evolution of the law firm management manager and how that came from a position where it used to be the legal assistant did the billing and ordered coffee. And then it maybe they promoted to a paralegal and some of the other 
uh, weight of those jobs. But a lot of the running of the law firm came from lawyers. And lawyers also do not go to business school. They are trained to practice law. And so she said, it's been interesting to watch over the past 30 years that law firms are really hiring specific people to run the business side so they can step back and handle their clients and their businesses. And I think when I look out in the industry, firms that trust a business-oriented person to run their business tend to be more successful in the long term unless the managing or founding partner can really step back from practicing and then do the management herself or himself. And, and one of the interesting things that's happening right now, Amanda, and we talked about this, I believe, with the same person, was the fact that certain states are now allowing non-attorneys to have equity within the firms. It's so interesting. I mean, in Texas a few years ago, you couldn't even have the title of chief operating officer. You couldn't have chief or officer in your title unless you were a lawyer in a firm. And now fast forward to 10 years ago, 10 years later, and I could technically own a piece of this firm. And that's, there's only a couple of states who are doing that. I think Arizona's one. Um, and it's going to open up a really I think some interesting dynamics where people who have MBAs or their CPAs can start a firm and hire attorneys and never actually practice law themselves. And I think we're going to see some dynamic changes in the industry, both from your side and then also from my side uh, and how that's going to impact. I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch. It'll have a lot of implications, you know, Mm -hmm. from the management to technology Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, law firms have been slow to adopt new technology, uh, and just the the overall the, the experience working with the law firm. You can what we're slow to adopt technology? That is brand new information. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Hey, yeah, we don't even need to get on that topic. I'll just leave it there and just say yeah. I know. I agree. So I'm many of the firms I work with, you know, and. Uh, they haven't replaced their software. They're coming to us replacing their software after 10, or, you know, 20, some even 30 years. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to make myself look really young, but I've sold software to firms that purchased their last product before I was born. Holy shit. Really? There you go. You just broke your own rule. No, you started it, I think, <laughs> with the shit sandwich comment. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, that, gosh, I guess if it was a DOS-based software or something, a SQL database, I guess it could be older than 30 years old. Uh, You'd be surprised. Some of the names that you know out there, they've been around that long. Wow. Since the 80s. Wow. So going in, you know, we're, we're talking about it some, but but going into this last and final segment, I mentioned when I was introducing you that you're one of my, you know, favorite op- law firm operators to work with. And you do such an amazing job. Could you tell your story, you know, how you got into the position you're in uh, at your current firm and, and maybe just a few pieces of your background that helped you get there as well? Sure. A humble person would start by telling you, oh, I'm not that great, but I'm nothing if not um... honest. Honest or confident. Honest is a good word. Honest and confident. So You have to be confident to run a <laughs> 100 employee law firm. You have to. I do. I do. Uh, So 
I worked in an air conditioning company as the office manager, and I also managed the service department, which is actually fascinating because they don't usually use somebody who doesn't know how to fix an air conditioning to run a service department. But I did it from a business-oriented standpoint to try to make it profitable, and I used outside resources to help with the technical side of it. And I was going to business school. I was getting my MBA at the time, and I decided I needed to figure out what my next step is. And so I put a resume together and I put it out on monster.com, which probably (laughs) dates me. And definitely you never put out a resume on monster.com, I'm sure. Uh, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. So that, that's like, for those young people listening, that's before Indeed, before LinkedIn. That was our big job hiring platform. So uh, there was a small firm in Austin who was actually looking for somebody without legal experience, but with a business and finance focus that could run their law firm. And they, their theory was, we can teach somebody the intricacies of leading a law firm, but we need somebody that's got that business mindset. And uh, they were outsourcing some of their services at the time. And a guy named Winston Williams, who is who has been in legal in Austin for many, many years, was hiring for the position. And he gave me a call and I came in and interviewed. And they said to me, you know, we have interviewed every administrator in Austin and they're all super, super qualified, but we want to take a chance on you. And we want to offer you this position. And at the time I jumped at it because, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know, but it seemed like a really good idea at the time. How big was the firm did you say? So we had about 15 attorneys, I think. And it kind of fluctuated between 10 to 20 based off Mm -hmm. of different uh, times of the year. And I'm going to say this knowing I'm repeating myself, but it was a very unique firm in the way that it was run and that they, they kind of had- You want a reference? <laughs> they they had two managing partners that managed two different segments of the business. One was litigation and then they had a lobby side. And they brought this administrator in to help the two departments work closely together with the same goal of getting a, getting us down the road, getting a more profitable law firm. And my goodness, I learned so much so quickly. And there were days I worked 12 hours, 14 hours a day. I had my first baby when I worked there and I had to run payroll from my hospital bed because I was the only person and no one knew how to run payroll. So I'm sitting there with a laptop on my lap and a newborn next to me running the firm's payroll. And it, you you know, we talked a little bit about how you have so many different jobs and you do so many different things. And so I, that's how I started. And after that firm, I went to work as a branch administrator for a large national firm. And I ended up running two of their branch offices and then decided I wanted to take the next step into running my own mid-sized firm. And that's where I ended up uh, here today. So I'm going to go off script for a second. Oh no, here we go. And I want to ask you, you know, to close this out. If somebody wants to become a firm administrator Mm -hmm. and step into that role, you know, you said you've worked at a small firm what advice would you give them 
I would start by saying to develop your network and your resources. And I joined the Association of Legal Administrators before I even got my first paycheck. And by joining that group, I was connected to, in Austin, a hundred other people who did my same job. And you know, there's, there's technical skills you really have to have. Like I had a background in running payroll and in HR law. It's hard to start in a role where you're managing a business without knowing some of those basic uh, skills. Like I said, like running payroll and knowing about health insurance and, and things like that. Are so, there ALA resources where people can learn some of that? Or Yeah. So, so they kind of have a three-tier approach. It's education, networking, and resources. And the education component of it includes conferences, like we met at a conference, webinars, white papers, uh, frequent newsletters and articles that are both written by members and, and business partners and outside resources. And I would say that if you were in this role, that is your number one resource for learning and doing your job better every day. That's good. Yeah. I think that's helpful. So what would, let me go, let me flip the script on you even more. What would you say to somebody who is trying to start selling to law firms? Um, don't jump in there and think, you know, everything. Yeah. You know, um, the best way to sell is to be inquisitive. You know, learn as much as you can, ask as many questions as you can. And the funny thing is, the more questions you ask, the smarter people think you are. <laughs> is it's, that your trick? <laughs> it, sometimes, sometimes you don't have to say anything. And if you sit there and ask a bunch of questions and let somebody talk, they, they'll come back thinking you're really smart. And really, you were learning from them the whole time. I feel like that is your whole plan for this podcast since you've been leading all the questions so far. Are you trying to position yourself as being smart? I'm just kidding. That's me. <laughs> Take that off. <laughs> no, you can leave it. <laughs> I get on these podcasts and I, I, I start to think about what you're saying and, and, <laughs> and I actually want to learn, you know? Okay. I think that's one of the important things too is it just in general, you know, you just yeah. need to come from a position where you're, you're interested in what you do and you want to learn. And you so so that's what I would, that's the advice I would give. You asked me one time if I was speaking to your salespeople and was teaching them how to sell to law firms uh, with administrators, what advice I would give them. Mm -hmm. And I quoted one of my favorite movies because my uh, stepfather who became my father is Greek. And I said, there's a movie out there called My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And people think it's a caricature of Greek culture, but it's not. And there's a line from that movie where two of the women are sitting there having lunch or coffee. And they want the man of the house, the decision maker, to do something, to let uh, their daughter go to college. And historically, he believed that women got married and had babies and didn't go to college. And the mom says to the, her sister, let me tell you something. The man is the head and the woman is the neck. <laughs> And she can turn the head any way she wants. And sometimes I think that that is a little bit of the role of a law firm manager. We, we, we turn the head of different lawyers into the direction we want them to go.
I think that's a great analogy, but I, you left out part of your response. What was that? Don't cold call me. Oh, don't cold call me. Oh my gosh. Don't cold call me. <laughs> but you do cold call a lot of people and you're successful at it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a balance. There's a balance. We'll leave it with that. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mostly Legal Podcast. If you like what you heard today, make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can also check us out online on themostlylegalpodcast.com where you can sign up for our email list and you can get weekly recaps as well as some cool takeaways from each episode. <laughs>